This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Hi, Elise Lunen here, co-host with Gwyneth of the Goop podcast. Today, I'm talking to a true beacon of kindness, as I like to call her. Her name is Kat Sadler. She's the next guest in our special series that we're hosting in partnership with Banana Republic called Women on Top. I'll tell you a little more about that before we get to our conversation. Some of the most interesting businesses, or maybe all of the most interesting businesses, were born out of curiosity, a desire to explore, to ask questions and share answers. This is the space that Gwyneth was in when she started Goop. It's also the space from which Banana Republic was founded back in 1978, when two California creatives with adventurous spirits began upcycling military surplus clothing. And the rest was history. When we talked to the team at Banana Republic about partnering up on a special podcast series, their vision revolved around the idea of living a life with no boundaries. This is the inspiration behind their clothing today. It drives how they source premium materials from around the world, the ways they choose to innovate with their designs, and how they think about infusing style with substance. This is all on display in their fall collection, which combines iconic Banana Republic styles with a modern twist. To see it all and to shop Banana Republic's fall collection, head to bananarepublic.com goop. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. Kat Sadler is an award-winning journalist, mother, and champion of wage equality. She also has her own podcast, Naked, which I was honored to be on a couple of weeks ago. Kat is a dynamic personality and pretty much lights up any room she walks into. I'm a big fan. You might recognize her from her former work on E!, a career she chose to leave because of a wage gap issue. Today, we're talking about her courage when she decided to depart and how she became a true spokesperson around the gender wage gap. 
She shares what her fears were, how she overcame them, and just how well she's been doing since. We talk about what it meant for Kat to then become her own boss, how she takes care of herself, and manages the inevitable anxiety that creeps up. And we talk about how important it is for us women to build a community for ourselves and connect as much as possible. I did not realize how tired I was. I did not know. I was so used to just getting up and going and the light goes on and going and through divorce, through anything and everything I was going through, you have to just go on TV, ha ha ha, you know, and you have to look good and, and you have to be willing for people to tell you you look like shit. And then, they, you know, it's like all of that, I think took more of a toll than I realized until I left. Okay, let's get to my chat with Kat Sadler. I was talking about you earlier today. You were? Yes, to and the whom? fact that you were coming. Aww. And I was like, you know, I used to actually really like watching E because I liked you. Oh, shush. Gosh. No, you like you brought a certain kindness mm. to celebrity reporting that made it feel not so naughty to watch. That is such an interesting assessment. I don't think my mom could put it into words like that, but thank you. <laughs> I take that as a huge compliment. Thank you. It's so funny that you say that because I think I always, you know, somewhat um, struggled with this idea that, oh my gosh, I'm not changing the world. I'm just, you know, doing entertainment news and I'm reporting on all the happenings. And one of the things that kind of fueled me every day is just like, you just don't know. I just, I would like try to like bask myself in a certain light and just be a good energy. Mm -hmm. And then I'd randomly hear from someone halfway across the world getting E in like Switzerland that would just be like, you made a difference in my day. You had like this brightness to you and, and you don't know it, but thank you. And I'd be like, what? Really? Yeah. So as, as weird as that seems that sometimes that was my the kind of impetus for just getting up and doing what I did sometimes. Yeah, no. And it felt you have, you're a very curious person. Mm. And I think that that you telegraphed that, even though I'm sure you were like, why am I standing on this red carpet? I want to die. But definitely red carpets. Those are hard. Yeah. There are a lot of amazing things about that job and and being an entertainment journalist, but red carpets are, it's like you lose all your dignity. (laughs) I've been like literally knocked down at New York Fashion Week on the catwalk, like with people trying to mob Kylie Jenner and who could stick the microphone in somebody's face first and get the, it's, yeah. Yeah. I I did that. (laughs) No, I can imagine. And having to ask and having to harass and ask people who are so tired of being harassed, right? Yes and no. I mean, I think... Yes, sometimes that was the assignment. Somehow I I managed to circumvent that a little bit. I did more of that when I was in local news at a very like much lower level when I was covering general assignment stuff because that was like horrific. And it was like, you know, this girl is like, this 16-year-old girl is accused of like murdering her baby or something horrific. And then I'd have to go knock on the door of her family and like try to get a soundbite like that was horrific. And then, but by the time, you know, you're kind of on national TV that the beauty is that because I was hosting a show called the daily 10 first, and then really pretty much in studio the majority of the time, I didn't have to do too much in people's faces of that. Yes. But I also feel like you 
you are sort of a beacon of kindness. And so, and I want to go. That's a really nice thing to say. No, you are. And I'm, ask my children that. They might disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I first, we met, I don't know now, maybe 18 months ago. When did you leave E? I left in December of 2017. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. And it was like a month before that. Yeah, so we met met when you were sort of, you knew that you were not receiving equal pay for more Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even equal work. It's funny you point that out. I still feel a certain like guilt about like pointing stuff out like that, but that is actually true, especially within that last year. You know, I was doing an interview the other day and the people were like, yeah, you worked the same hours. You were there the same amount of time in the back of my head. I'm thinking, well, I actually got there at seven and he got there at 11, you know, in the last year anyway. But I try not to be too. Well, it's hard because you are a, a nice, kind person. So, and I know you love your coworkers. So, yeah. but no, I think, it, yeah, well, I guess it was a month before and you were debating whether you were going to take it and sign your contract. And I'm so proud of you for not. Thank you. I Thanks. really am. No regrets, let me tell you. And you and Gwyneth were so nice because I was really at this point where I was not desperate, but I think sometimes really like a certain courage is born out of just being so pissed off. Like I, you know, I used to think anger was a bad emotion and like Mm -hmm. we as women, you know, don't, don't get angry and angry is just an easy emotion and, and nothing comes from that. But I was so angry at that point and I felt so kind of taken advantage of that it spawned me into doing things and reaching out to people I never would have. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have maybe just kept cruising and being that girl that I'm good at my job, I think, and, you know, work hard and keep my head down. But I was so frustrated and I was so just, like, fed up that I was like, screw it. I'm emailing Gwyneth, you know. Mm-hmm. It, and, I, you know, had I not maybe been in that position, I wouldn't have said – I wouldn't have sought the support or encouragement or just the ears of people that I looked up to, mentors of mine. And so, you know, what got me in that room with you girls that day, I was like, you know, it was a really unfortunate situation, but to just have even just your support and your ears, it felt very much like one of those girl, like girly sisterhood moments where it was very comforting. Oh, well... It was lovely to meet you, and it's been nice to see you in the months since. And I sort of feel like, too, it's almost like when you're in a relationship and you know it's bad, but you, it's comfortable and it, mm-hmm. you know, pays your rent. Even though I wish he'd pay my rent. I've never had that. No, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but it's slightly abusive, clearly. Yeah. And it can be so, it's so hard. I mean, I, I, I certainly did this, and I know my friends have, where you're just like, but I'll stay until something better comes. But the reality is, like, you're not going to meet your next romantic partner while you're in bed with someone else. No. There are no rewards for that. There are no rewards. You're just wasting your time. Mm -hmm. You just kind of clog up. You know, I'm one of those big energy people where if you're like, it's like the whole and this is, I'm sure, so not like the actual expert, like feng shui, like approach, but it's like, if you have that clutter and if it's all clogged up, then you're just going to be stagnant. You have Mm -hmm. to free that up in order for the other things to come into your life for sure. Yeah. So when you symbolically sort of gave them the finger and walked out, Mm -hmm. were you, what was, what were your immediate sensations like then and days and weeks later? Well, the 
my very last day, and mind you, this was 12 years after being there. So it's funny because I remember I'd seen people come and go all those years on air people. And I remember like, you know, Juliana had left at one point and um, my co-host Terrence Jenkins had left at one point. And I remember always watching these goodbye farewell parties and thinking to myself, I wonder what mine's going to look like. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be here forever, no matter what anyway, but I wonder what it'll be like. And then to like cut to my final day, knowing what I knew and not being able to really share that with anyone. It was kind of like still this very unspoken thing, even though my team and my agents articulated the the disparity and the unfairness. And it was also almost a slightly litigious thing where I couldn't like blackmail them mm-hmm. or I couldn't threaten them that, well, if you don't pay me, I'm going to go tell the world. You know, it was a very like sensitive issue. Mm-hmm. So on my last day, I told the viewers on the morning live show that I was on and then also on E! News that night, you know, just goodbye and thank you for watching. And it's been such a great, you know, run. But I couldn't say why I was leaving. So it was, that was very difficult emotionally to know. I was like, knowing what I knew, knowing that I was leaving for the reasons I was leaving and then going on air and trying to be grateful, but at the same time, just so pissed off. It was highly emotional. I remember like going to my dressing room after it was like the last goodbye after five days a week for 12 years and just kind of collapsing literally by myself, closing the door and just like collapsing and just kind of crying because I was like, that was so hard to do. But then I had planned and I had already written my reasons for leaving on my blog. And I, after a lot of thought about how to tell my story, or if I would even tell my story. Mm-hmm. I wrote that on my blog, but word had already leaked. Like somehow between like four o'clock of me saying, thanks everybody, to like six o'clock, us weekly or someone had said, she left over a pay disparity issue. So then I immediately posted my blog. I wasn't going to post it till the next day. I was just going to give that day, that mm-hmm. day. So then I put up my kind of letter to the world. Right then. What was their justification for not, if not matching, then at least, if if not surpassing, then matching? <laughs> surpassing. That's really funny. At least. <laughs> <laughs> their reason, you know, it was I finally got a face-to-face, like after kind of the decision had been made and I had decided to leave and, and they were, after a lot of back and forth, They were at their max of what they were going to pay me, which in their eyes was a substantial, incremental, kind of, not substantial maybe, but in line with what most people get incrementally year after year. And I just said to them point blank, it was the president of the network at the time and the the person overseeing the news division as a whole, two men. And I just said, I just got to know, like, what is it? Is he doubly good at as I am? Is he doubly good at his job? Is he, you know, just what is it? And they just said, we're just looking through a different lens. And then I, I remember them saying things like, but he's done red carpet, like a couple, by the way, there are how many red, like award show red carpets. Mm-hmm. There's like three a year, right? <laughs> or And I do those too. I don't always, but he didn't always. So right. it, it was, you know, excuse after maybe another excuse. They brought up the fact that I had a blog that they allowed me to do outside of my job that had to bring me money, right? So oh, why so should they was, pay so me? More work on the side uh-huh. was uh-huh. that. And boy, was I lucky to have that, yeah. that license, right? So 
that was a tough meaning, but it was just so crystal clear. It was like, there is no, and by the way, the different lens, I mean, the different lenses to me, it's like, it's been this way. It's a systematic and, you know, discriminatory, pervasive thing that happens in corporations where if you're, if you're a guy and you're part of the boys club and you're out golfing, it's just like, he's seen as more valuable. That's just how it's been because he's a dude, whether or not they like even overtly think of it like that, that's what, in my eyes, what was happening. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's, that seems like a fair assumption. Yeah. And I know it's a, it's clearly a pernicious problem and we have a major wage gap and it's hard. I mean, because everyone wants to factor in these subjective qualities like, oh, I, he's more familiar to me because I am also like a white (laughs) male cisgendered heterosexual dude. Right. Mm -hmm. And these things play out and they obviously have major repercussions for women and people of color and particularly women of color. Absolutely. Did you in that moment feel, was there part of you that was just relieved? Like you knew you needed to go at some point and this, did it feel like a universal intervention? That's a wonderful question. Looking back, yes. Shortly after, definitely yes. I'm trying to decide when that became apparent to me. I got a lot of really good, like, universal energy really leading up to my last day. So even though it was really hard for me, I think I was aware. Because that that whole narrative in my head, which was like, how will it end for you? When I knew that it was my time to say goodbye, I was like, so this was it. This was always going to be my story because I couldn't quite figure out when I'd leave or why I'd leave or how it would go down and how my departure would look. And I, and so there was a bit of an aha, like, well, who would have known that this was mm-hmm. going to be like this? But immediately, I mean, that's the other kind of wild thing because Time's Up wasn't even born until about 10 days after I left. So Time's Up wasn't even a thing when I wrote my little blog on my website. So I didn't know if anyone would even notice or really care. That was honestly just for me to kind of just reconcile everything that had happened, share my truth. While not, it wasn't at all like, oh, let's just throw a network under the bus. It was just like, this was my story and mm-hmm. and I'm going to share this story. But then, I mean, it caught on with like wildfire. And that's when I was really like, oh boy. This isn't just me, obviously. This is not a singular story. This is so many women's stories because Mm -hmm. people cared so much because they related so much. And they're like, well, holy shit. She just, she took that leap. Mm -hmm. And how many of us want to maybe do that? That's a good idea. (laughs) And I feel like there's, you know, when actresses and people like you who are highly visible speak out about this stuff. There Sometimes people have sort of a, not an aversion or there's an anger of like, well, you you don't need the money. Right. You're famous. Mm-hmm. But I think obviously people are missing the wider picture mm-hmm. that this happens at every, every in level. every industry, at every level. Mm-hmm. And we need incredibly visible women to step forward and and get into the fray as well because otherwise – no one is held accountable. And I think the yeah. more people even understand or are aware of the fact, the, the, the parity, the pay parity, it continues to happen in part because it's veiled, right? Like right. the only reason that get you know is mm-hmm. because you work in a world of agents. Mm-hmm. But for most people at companies, there's no transparency into compensation. And there are a few, few major companies that have, that publicize all of their pay data or salary information mm-hmm which I think is kind of a righteous 
and awkward, but a righteous thing to do. I know Salesforce spent many, many millions of dollars ensuring that there were no that there was no pay inequality throughout their company and raise people up. And when you say righteous, do you think it's like congratulatory, like we're doing this the right way and they do it for PR reasons? Or no. do you think it's like a good Good. good I mean thing. it in like in the, a good not in a self righteous okay. way, but in like a good righteous. Yes. Yes. Like this these are important battles yeah. for women. Because it's there are too many of us, I think, too, who are like, oh, I'm just, you know, happy to be here and I don't really know my value and the transparency piece is huge, I yeah. think, for sure. And I mean, even in a short two, three years time now, since I left, I it, it was so taboo. Like it, it even dawned on me. I mean, by the way, there's always the onus is on us as individuals also um, to a degree. And I'm like, well, shame on me looking back to never even ask the question. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't ask. You know? Although I will say in your defense that the research suggests and, and points of this quite authoritatively that women are just as insistent about asking for raises. They speak up, they push, and yet we are often overlooked. Yeah. We aren't given – we're – that – by pushing, there's a, there's a slam down that happens yeah. and a perception of being – you know, it's the it's like the was it Henry and Heidi test case? I can't remember the names at Harvard Business School, but it's like Henry Rosen and Heidi Rosen, and they presented. It was like a VC raise, and half of the students got the name Heidi, and half of the students got the name Henry, and same pitch, same everything was identical except for the name and the woman. They did not like the woman, and. The, the man they thought was assured and self-confident and the woman was, you know, an egomaniac and And you shrew. know what? You know, the, the part we're missing is the they part because the they part, I guarantee you, is a majority man yeah. base, right? Well, I don't so probably a mix. That's what we have to change. You think? Yes, because I think part of the programming that's that's happened for women is that it's where, where there's so much, there are... The, you look at the Fortune 500, and there are so few CEOs that are females. I mean, it's crazy. It's like 30, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, or Forbes just came out with 100 most innovative people in business. Guess how many were women? Oh, I don't even want to know. Depressing. Five. One. Oh! One. I mean, and there's been an outrage and across the internet, and Forbes is like, we don't know how this happened. I mean, it's disgusting, right? So... But this is, it happens up and down. But what happens, I think, to women is you look at the leadership of these companies and you don't see yourself represented. And more and more, you know, women opt out for various reasons, including lack of pay parity. And so I think that it creates a competitiveness that's that's unfair and this sort of like tokenism or tukenism or not only like, if I don't have enough, how can I give to you? Or why would I even suggest that you follow in my footsteps when this is what's waiting? So it needs, it's like a systemic issue that has, it's like just a total overhaul. And I think transparency is probably the only way and accountability. It's Mm -hmm. important that the people at the network are accountable and embarrassed. That I still don't know. That's still a head scratcher, at least in my personal experience. That that to this day, I will say, I mean, one of the most gratifying things, at least in my situation, was that because it is a public story and because, you know, I, I by definition, am a public figure having been on television, 
when when the network did kind of give their justification, which was something to the effect of, well, she's focused on mornings and now and and he's night and, you know, different job responsibilities or, you know, something very vague, like the whole internet on Twitter, like just rushed to my defense. They're like, I'm pretty sure I saw her at seven most nights of the week. I'm pretty sure like, I was even going through my phone just recently trying to get the 10,000 videos off of my iPhone. (laughs) And I was like, oh, there he was at night. There he was at night. I was just going like, I didn't even at the time look, but I still have those videos on my phone. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like, I was there at seven. I was still there to like, but the viewers came to my defense and that was really that was gratifying, just because the watching. proof's just in the pudding. Yeah. You know? They lost a viewer in me, Kat. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, You know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. We'll get back to Kat Sadler in just a second. I mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast that curiosity is my favorite state of being. I try to carry that attitude with me every day, and it's certainly easier to do it at a place like Goop that places such a premium value on being curious and feeling empowered to explore and ask questions. Banana Republic is another company that values curiosity. Their founding story starts with a California couple who's looking for an adventure. Fun fact, Banana Republic began as a safari-inspired clothing company. And today, the inspiration for their clothing is designing for a life in motion, or as they put it, living a life of possibilities with no boundaries. Their fall collection is iconic Banana Republic, styled for now. So there are utility-inspired styles made from premium materials. Think your favorite dresses and pants updated in animal prints and menswear patterns, and quintessential suede jackets and cashmere sweaters that you'll wear for many seasons to come. And now, Banana Republic is celebrating some true modern icons with Goop through our special podcast series, Women on Top. I hope you'll listen to every episode. These are the women who lead with power, grace, and curiosity, who I think define what it means to break boundaries, and maybe most importantly, who are working hard so that others too can live a life of possibilities. So keep listening and keep shopping with our friends at Banana Republic. To get their fall collection, head to bananarepublic.com goop. It's that time of the year again. We're celebrating one of our favorite holidays on Saturday, November 16th. It's called InGoop Health. And for the first time, we'll be up north around San Francisco. If you're not familiar with InGoop Health, it's our Super Bowl version of a wellness summit. 
Gwyneth and I will be hosting a series of talks and panels with incredible thought leaders, and there are many more extraordinary practitioners, teachers, and culture changers leading classes and workshops. We'll be covering a lot of ground, physically and metaphorically. We'll learn about intimacy, the power of connection, fasting, tools for reducing stress, and how to quiet our inner critics. We'll be joined by some of the people I admire most, like psychotherapist and psychological astrologer Jennifer Freed and psychiatrist Will Sue, who are teaching a joint workshop on manifesting your authentic self. Wall Street legend Sally Krawcheck will be leading a masterclass on money. Judy White is teaching a workshop on what dreams really mean. Walter Longo is giving us his longevity secrets. And you'll get to bounce on a mini trampoline with Lauren Roxborough, which is, coincidentally, my favorite pastime. And because it's Goop, you can also expect B12 shots galore, amazing food and drinks, and some surprises along the way. If you've been to an InGoop Health before, I hope you'll be back. And if this is your first time, I can't wait to meet you. The summit is on Saturday, November 16th, and you can get tickets now at goop.com slash ingoophealth. Back to my chat with Kat Sadler. So going back, I know you're an Indiana girl, mm-hmm. and then you start doing local news, and you, it, what was your goal? Like, what was, what's the fantasy? What were you? What was my goal? Yeah. Oh, back then? Yeah. I think I always had, I, you know, it's, it's, it sounds pretty like cliche, but I was that like small town girl who always had the itch of some description. I mean, I was inherently creative. I actually, I was in my family with all of my cousins, I was directing videos and I was, you know, leading the play and we were always playing make believe. And then when like home video cameras came out, I'm really aging myself, but in the, what would that have been like the eighties? And, you know, I was like a world opened up to me and I just enjoyed that so much. I would just sit around with my cousins and pretend we were in commercials, but more than anything, I was interviewing everyone. I was just curious back to your Mm -hmm. point, like about everyone and everything. And there was probably a part of me that was just really underwhelmed with, with the world that I knew, even though I didn't really know about any other world, but I just kind of inherently had an itch for like, what, what, what if there were just a lot of what ifs that ran through my mind. I thought I wanted to be an actress. I was in theater growing up and all the musicals. And God love my grandmother, Frida. She just didn't think that was such a good idea (laughs) because that's not practical. And so she was like, well, you've got a really A plus personality. You should like maybe, maybe go into news or do something with that. And that did still make sense to me. So I got to IU, Indiana University, and I was like, do I study drama? Do I study broadcast journalism? I did not declare a major until the end of my junior year. I was all over the place. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then finally... My mom, I was actually even in a band. <laughs> I was like yeah, in an girl. all girls band. I was doing all that. And my mom was like, I was taking a bath one night. And my mom was like, you're, you need, you're like pushing 21. Like, are you going to do TV? Or are you going to do music? You need to figure out like what you're really doing. And I had secured an internship at the local, the local Fox station uh, in Indianapolis. And that's when it really like, whoa, like this world opened up to me with writing and editing and reporting. And I loved it. Like I must have worked, you know, when you just love what you're doing, especially at that age, like I was still in school part-time. I was interning probably 40 hours a week. I was in a band at night. Like I don't think I slept, but I was never happier. Like I was exploring all of that. And you know, I always say this to young girls that always ask me about breaking into broadcasting, 
I learned a lot about what I didn't want to do through that initial mm-hmm. internship because I was covering hard news. And that's when I was like, well, hold on. Like, I'm learning how to write. I'm learning how to tell stories. I, I love the human spirit. And I, I, I love all that. But, I, but I'm also highly depressed. I'm not an invasive person. This just kind of disagrees with how I'm wired. And so this is another really long story because I don't want to bore everybody. But I had one of those really random things happen where an agent from New York saw me on TV. And I was not even 22 at the time. And do you remember an agency called NS Beanstalk? Yes. So it's like a big news agency. Here I was in this little Indianapolis, not so little. It was like the 24th largest market in the country. But I was on for maybe 30 seconds once a week at the time because my news director let me do this youth segment and this guy just calls me up. He's like, I'm an agent in New York. You know, I think you've got you've got a little it factor. Send me a tape, you know, send it to me. I literally, this guy called me three times. I never even, I didn't know what an agent was. I was so ignorant. And then the anchor of the news is like, you should probably call that guy back and send him some tape. And anyway, he was the one, Ezra Marcus, who said, what do you want? What do you want with your life? Like, it was the first time, you know, having been like very landlocked in the Midwest that anyone had ever said that to me. I'd never been to California. I'd never been to New York at that point either. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I, you know, Oprah was my hero. Yeah. Katie Couric was, I would watch her on the Today Show. Those were the people that spoke to me and what they did. And so I told him that. He was like, well, let's engineer your career to get you there. And that's kind of, that was my jumping off point. How amazing. Yeah. He was great. I got really lucky, obviously. Yeah. That but or, or not. But so now I know you're doing your podcast. Mm-hmm. I did not make you get naked. No, you didn't. As you make Although everyone. Although my shoes are off, I'm feeling very comfortable. Oh, good. You're grounding. You um, got naked for me. Should we tell them <laughs> what you took off? Wasn't I really lame and I only took off my jewelry? I think so because because your ear candy is your it's my what makes me it's your icing when I'm in my car it distinguishes me from being a man apparently according to every valet parking person in Los Angeles <laughs> have you said that on this show before <laughs> no no tell but, the people well no without because I have short hair because I know probably <laughs> people have no idea what I look like and I at least twice a week I get sir so I now I have so many earrings and part so I can like flash people from my my <laughs> side so they can be like oh maybe that's a woman but you're also so naturally pretty you don't have to oh, wear much makeup so you're thanks, all naturel yeah. and I'd say own it and I sort of dress like a tomboy I, pl- I play the part but so and I know because I've been on the show the idea primarily I mean it's primarily celebrities right and interesting people and the culture and I would say it's 50% celebrity at this point And what I'm enjoying is actually, you know, it's nice kind of being my own boss for the first time ever. So I'm picking people that I'm just legitimately curious about and in awe of and who I like. I mean, I had on a wonderful author. Her name's Janelle Hanchett recently. And it's just because I read her book and she spoke to me and I couldn't put the book down. And, you know, she, uh, she has this blog called Renegade Mothering and she's this just like fire starter and she was an addict and she's raised four kids and she recovered and now she's living in the Netherlands. And I was like, well, I want her in my bedroom. And she literally (laughs) got on a plane and came to my bedroom. I was like, this is awesome. So it's kind of the freedom to explore whatever kind of woman I really want to, which the feedback has been nice because people are like, I would have never known this person. This is so rad. Like, who is this? And, but the premise celebrity or non-celebrity is to really make 
women feel, I think, less alone. Not that we're all walking around feeling lonely, but in this very Instagram manicured existence in which we all live these days, I kind of, the space for me is meant to have conversations that are more meaningful and very raw. And I've had people crying in my chair unexpectedly and people talking about like these horrific, toxic relationships. I've had gals, you know, who were Kurdish, raised Muslim, leave their families behind for the love of their life. A white guy who's a Christian. I mean, just, just fascinating stories. And the response has been mostly just thank you because I feel more connected to to other women. So yeah. I'm just trying to, I mean, you know this because it really is the community part of sharing, you know, these conversations, which I'm loving because it's also so much more relaxed and more loose and less to time. And I do think people, everyone is a deep well of story. Yeah. No. It's never ending. I love it. Yeah. I loved hearing yours. Thanks, bud. Yeah. I also just, this is, you know, to to thank Brene, I feel like we're in the age of vulnerability and yeah. the age of eradicating shame and everyone, I think as they like get the stuff out, it feels so good and liberating and freeing. And sometimes you need to hear someone else do it. Yeah. It's like we all have permission all of a sudden because you're yeah. absolutely right. I mean, I didn't create this whole idea that vulnerability is suddenly think the thing to do. It seems to be like the pulse of what's happening right now yeah. for sure. And I think it is out of a need that uh, women in particular are just like, I want to just feel okay in myself as I am and accept it as I am and give her permission to just be who I am. And by the way, we can all be very different and you can come from where you come from and you can believe what you mm -hmm. believe and that's okay too. Yeah, no. That's nice. That's And that's very wise, wise point too, I think, because it is, we're also concurrently, not at the end of Instagram culture, but I feel like they're, everyone's so tired of the false perfection of Instagram and the way that we're then put into the context of comparing ourselves. I have many friends who I'm like, I haven't, feel like I haven't seen you. And they're like, because I quit Instagram because I couldn't take it. But I think then the more platforms that sort of rise up for people to really bear their souls mm -hmm. is a nice antidote to that because I don't know anyone who isn't in some sort of pain or struggling with their own issues or family issues or yeah. and I think for people like you who who really perceptibly or seem to have it together and you do I've started sharing bit by bit yeah. all my flaws and dysfunction do you have that any? I'm made of oh my god you are ageless that's not true. No, I remember when you were like, oh, I have two like grown sons, essentially. Aren't they teens? Yes, 14 and 18, Austin and Orion. I was like, that kind of defies belief. Mm, no, thank you. Were you 18? No, I was 26 when I had Austin, 30-ish when I had, 30 or 31 when I had Orion. I started getting Botox when I was 35, at least. Like, I'll let it hang out. Like, I... I work at it. And that's the other thing, having been on TV, like a whole other pressure comes with that. And yeah. like being in a visual medium, medium all those years and the pressure associated with looking a certain way, like that takes its toll. And bringing it back to like your question, like what happened after E and then how did you feel? I mean, there was a six month period for me after having been on air five days a week for really 20 years, bar the year my first son was born when I took a year off. I did not realize how tired I was. Yeah. I did not know. I was so 
used to just getting up and going and the light goes on and going and through divorce, through anything and everything I was going through, you have to just go on TV, ha ha ha, you know, and you have to look good and, and you have to be willing for people to tell you you look like shit. And then, they, you know, it's like all of that, I think took more of a toll than I realized until sure. I left. And then combined with like grieving almost what felt like a death, even though again, zero regrets and no looking back, there was a real coming down from all of that. And then just getting used to not having, not being on the hamster wheel of doing that every day. Yeah. It felt really good in the end. I'm sure you really get those fake eyelashes away from me. Yeah. I can't imagine having to do hair and makeup every day. That sounds like a silly thing to complain about. But. <laughs> you know what? I think that's a personal preference. I love it. I loved it. As a mom, I thought, wow, this is, it's, talk about the perks. I, I like being still though. See, I'm really weird. I got my dad's gene of being pretty relaxed, even though I'm like type A. I'm pretty chill. And so I'm very good at sitting still. And so I... I loved sitting in the makeup chair every day. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. All the best in the biz, like doing my hair and makeup. I actually, that's the one thing I do miss. I'm like, yeah. well, I was really spoiled. Yeah. No, I guess that's fair. I would, I Depends would Depends on who you are. Yeah. Depends on who you are. We're all built differently, but I, I didn't mind that. And I just love, I love the glam aspect of it. I just enjoy the art of it. Are you going to come back to TV? Yes. The answer is yes. What are you going to do? Are you allowed to talk about it? <sighs> I have two very promising things in the pipeline. One I can't talk about at all, but the other and what I've learned so much. I mean, listen, we talked about like what the universe's part in all of this is. You know, I left with good reason. Never knew that would be part of my story. But now that I'm on the other side of all of that, like... I have, you know, who wants to stop learning, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I, I've been in this season of, oh wait, I'm going to make TV and not just host TV, but executive produce TV and go into the unscripted side of the business. That's not just pertaining to entertainment news. So what can I do? What can I cook up? What am I passionate about? So like the first year was taking meetings with everybody in town from Netflix to HBO to Showtime to CNN. Like, what could I do? And what does that look like? And what do I really want to do? Like, I'm finally at this point where it's like, I don't have to do any one thing. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I have my digital business, the catwalk, which sustains me enough. And so I had have had a first look deal with TNT because they're doing a lot of unscripted uh, female centric programming. They're kind of changing their slate of things. And I can say that I've partnered with Scout Productions. Are you familiar with who they are? I think so. They do Queer Eye, and they oh, yeah. just won four Emmys. These guys are amazing. And so I've been doing everything from meeting with showrunners and developing the episodes and, like, working on the full creative without yet getting a green light. So I can't tell you the show's going to be on TV, but I told you a little bit about it. It's It's, it's kind of like... No one take this idea. I'm going to tell you this, but nobody go take this idea. It's like a road trip formula of myself going out, kind of seeking the good, the bad, and the ugly of the wellness industry. And by wellness, that's a really loose term. It's more like experimental, and it's a little more docu-series. It's kind of more truly story-driven about just where I'm at in my life and how other women in my shoes at you know, midlife or like finding themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's been really fun to work on thus far. And we're shooting some things 
literally this month to hopefully, knock on wood, within a couple more weeks, uh, have an announcement that this is something people can come see. I'm honestly so, I'm just, I've enjoyed the business side of this too, just learning what happens in this town in a pitch room and how the networks work and like being my own boss and champion in this sense, you know, it's really, it's kind of like really living on my own terms and I love it. Yeah. But it's also hard AF, PS, guys. It takes forever. Yeah. It takes forever. I was doing a daily news show every single day. There's a gratification. It's on the air. It's off the air. You hated it. No big deal. You start over tomorrow. This is a very lengthy, long kind of creative process. But again, I'm learning so much and I'm surrounded with these talented writers and producers and I'm just in awe of them and I just feel so lucky. I really do. Yeah. And then hopefully you get to bring more women into the process. Yeah, Ugh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So I know we're probably running kind of. late, but so how do you take care of yourself, Kat? Hmm. Well, I think I even have a book in my purse. I'm reading. A, I, you know what? I, I love, you're reading a lot of not, like you're always reading, first of all. I'm like, I'm just, I think it's so sexy that people read and have time to read and like read real books. I'm reading, I, I have a lot of spiritual like books, you know, Buddhisty, Eckhart Tolle, these types of books that I, like I have one in my purse right now that I, I only maybe have three pages worth of time but I access that. I just try to always fill my mind with that kind of food that helps me so much. I love it. I do a lot of hot yoga. I eat pretty clean, not perfect, but I eat pretty clean. I think I don't cook a lot, but I, I guess I have a, a, I feel fortunate. You know, my kids are teenagers. They're not like running around under five and it's not like they need me. I mean, to be honest, like I have to force them to have dinner with me. We had a family dinner last night and I have to like text them five times to make sure they're going to show, you know? So I, I feel really lucky. I have a more freedom than I've ever had. So I just, but I do pay attention to how I feel. I always have. I, I don't do well with chaos and turmoil and conflict. And if I feel that like anxiety, like creeping up, I know exactly what to do because I I can't operate like that. I'm no good. Yeah. No good. No, me neither. Sleep. I love sleep. Me too. I love sleep. Yeah. Do you like get a lot of sleep every night? I try to get like eight to nine hours. Oh, that's awesome. Nine? Okay. Now I'm jealous. Yeah. I really prioritize it because I am a something when I don't get enough sleep. Like I, I don't like myself when I'm sleep deprived and it's kind of a mental illness, but I get so crotchety and I also get hangry. Like I have to manage myself. Otherwise I'm unpleasant. But see, you know yourself. That's so good to pay attention to that. Yeah. Like I like Netflix too much. I like, I'm obsessed with succession on HBO. And last night I should have come home and I should have been in bed by 930, but I that's the only thing that gets in the way of my sleep is some of these I darn know. shows. I can't stop binging, but I kind of need to binge them because it's kind of what I do. So, but I, I have a ton of like sleep aids before I go to bed every night. My friends call me Ruthie because they say I'm like a grandma because I need my cardigan sweater and I need my sleep and I need my, you know, all my oils and my scented candles. And I, I really do like do it up in there. Sleep. Yeah. yeah. We got, we moved, a, we had a TV in our bedroom. And then finally, my husband was willing to kick it out. And that has been huge. And so I read before bed, which I find, I mean, I love to read, but it always puts me to sleep. That's so much 
better for us. We all know that and not putting our phones in our room and probably better for your marriage, probably better on every level. I keep saying I'm going to start putting all of our phones, all the family phones in the kitchen at night. I keep saying I'm going to do that. I just haven't done that. It's so hard. I know. But speaking of sleep, I just started using the goop chews. Do you use those? It doesn't, melatonin isn't my friend, but they knock people out. Well, that's what I, I've done it like three (laughs) times in a row. And just this weekend, because I was talking about it on my IG stories and everyone's like, does it work? Tell us. We need to know, does, do the goop juice work? And then I noticed on Saturday, like I couldn't quite wake up at all. They're intense. All day. I was like, do I need to go back to bed? They really, and it was one. Yeah. No, it's, I love it. They're really having these great dreams. I didn't wake up once. <laughs> anyway, uh, was it a sex dream? No, oh, I don't really damn. have those anymore. <laughs> Do you? No. <laughs> Usually stress <laughs> dreams, believe it or not. Something about my children. I had a dream last night that I had a brand new baby and I couldn't find the baby. <laughs> oh God, that's terrible. I know. I was like, oh, I gotta feed the baby. Where's the baby? <laughs> Oh, well, maybe you're about to have another child. Oh, dear. It's a TV show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Kat Sadler. For more on Kat, head to thecatwalk.com. That's C-A-T-T. And make sure to listen to her podcast, Naked. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back this Thursday for more. And in the meantime, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast. <laughs>